Welcome to the Hope Filled Birth Podcast. My name is Emma. And I'm Becca. Welcome to our podcast that focuses on glorifying Christ through testimonies of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. Guys, I'm so excited to be talking to my friend Nicoletta today, who I think is just going to be a huge blessing to anyone who's listening to this. We actually met in college. She, you were friends with Alex first, right? Didn't you become friends with Alex your guys' freshman year? Yes, he, I think I met him because he was walking around with a backpack with a pineapple sticking out of it. And my roommate and I at the time were like, um, what? Like we have to know him. (laughs) So he was known as like a pineapple Alex for the longest time because he would just randomly have a pineapple and like a pineapple cutter and would just like open one up like in Mikasa and like I don't know. It was so random. It's like very freshman year story on how to meet somebody. But yeah, that's how we met. (laughs) That's hilarious. I didn't know that specifically. But when I met him very early on, he definitely pulled out the pineapple corer and cored a pineapple on campus randomly. I don't know. Um, So yeah, Nicoletta and, and my husband started college at the same in the same year and they met and then I I came a year after and so then we met um so we all graduated together and she is also a new mom her baby is three months yep like three and a half now yeah okay yep three month old little baby so we're in very similar seasons right now and um she's also a mental health therapist and I will put her Instagram handle in the show notes and you guys can follow her if you want. She shares a lot about being in this season and is super real and transparent just about um, honestly every little step along the way. And you were like this during, I mean, pregnancy and even before. Um, So I feel like the way that Nicoletta shares about her life in general, combined with her experience in mental health and then on top of it, being a new mom, it, I think, situates her uniquely to be able to speak to what it's like to be in this season and, you know, have some insight from inside the situation as a mom, but also she has insight from outside the situation as a mental health therapist. And so um, that those two things mixed with her transparency are just, I think, make for a really cool, unique perspective. And so I'm really excited to have a conversation with you. Do you want to start out by just giving us an idea of kind of what your background is with mental health therapy and what your experience is in the profession? Yeah, so I um, always knew I wanted to work with people. I wasn't really great at any other subject, um, and, and but I was very social. And so um, connecting with people through vulnerability, like you were saying, is so something I'm, I've always been passionate about. I think ever since like high school, anytime there would be a subject, any subject um, that almost everyone goes through, but is still taboo to talk about, that would frustrate me because I was like, we're all going through this and we're all struggling silently. So I'm confused as to why, like, you know, this isn't talked about more. And obviously people, things are very personal. And so not to say that everyone needs to share everything, but that always for me was something that came very easily was vulnerability to 
to basically put my life out there for help um, in certain areas. And then now I just do it because it brings so much connection. So all of that, I found the area of therapy to be so right up my alley. Um, And so I got into psychology. I went to um, Southeastern for my, I started as a social work major and then I um, changed, changed to psychology. And then I got my master's there in mental health therapy and um, marriage and family therapy. And I was trained outside of college with kind of like a trauma background with where my placement was, which was super interesting. And I think has helped me tremendously in all areas of work and life. Um, And now I work for a private practice in Pennsylvania and I love it. It's great. Awesome. So tell me, you know, you have this background in the mental health profession and then so much changes for us mentally during pregnancy, right? So did you find that you were able to start preparing for pregnancy and childbirth using those skills? Or is that something that you, um, like, did you have the insight to do that in the moment? And if so, how did you prep? Like, how did your background and your education and everything even play a role in how you prepared? Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit of both the mental health and also my personality is very type A, very planner. And so we, it took us a year to um, get pregnant. And so that in of itself was kind of one of those things where you're in a rut, but you're also a therapist. So it's like, okay, like I know all the skills I need to use for this. So like, what can I do? um, to not just sit in like the disappointment every month of getting a negative test and that whole situation. And I always tell people, cause some people are like, Oh yeah, it took me like three months. And like, I felt silly for being sad. And I'm like, no, even if you're trying for one month, any negative test is so disappointing and so disheartening. It does not matter how long you've been trying. And so that was one that's, that was kind of the starting point, the launching point of all of my vulnerability within my whole story once Wes came to be. And even before then, because I realized, wow, every woman who's trying to get pregnant is feels defeated when this happens. I never really knew that. Like I just, you know, you would hear like maybe some things from a friend, but that's it. And so, um, yeah, I kind of realized, okay, this is all a mental game. So I need to figure out how to just, set myself up for the most success possible. So I was in therapy for other reasons, but I definitely added this into it of just like anytime I would get a negative test or I'd be trying, or I was unsure those like random moments in your brain where I was like, well, do I even want to be a parent? And like kind of processing all of those ups and downs in therapy myself. Um, And then I just did a lot of prep work. Like that's when I started learning about childbirth and labor and delivery and like okay what do I want I don't want to I always thought I would just do the normal thing and just go to the hospital and have a baby and like that was it I never was into like supernatural stuff or super medical stuff I just kind of was like I'll just do what everyone does but once I started learning I almost that's when I started to like make the story my own and like decided like, oh, like I didn't even know this, or I was naive to this, or I had no idea. And so it opened up this whole new world of 
um, just learning about all things labor and delivery, my body, hormones, baby, like everything. And so it kind of became something fun for me, which switched the whole thing around when I was waiting for a year to have him. Um, so that was that. And then I had come across a doula page. It's called pain-free birth. It's like super well-known in the doula community. And, um, she did just like put this free class up. So I just took it. And this was, I think when I first got pregnant, um, and she was talking about how we see how birth is portrayed, like through social media and movies and media and like how it's very like scary and screaming and super painful. And obviously a lot of those things are real. Um, but she was saying that it's so important not to take on the fear of others, that your story is your story and it can be whatever you want it to be. Um, and I really liked that. And she also comes at it at a biblical perspective too, with all of these ideas. And I really just wanted to figure out, okay, what do I want my like perfect birth to look like and but also realizing like obviously I need to be open-minded at the same time hold the birth plan loosely let the Lord do what he needs to do and trust my body to know what it needs to do if things need to change um so that's what I ended up doing um and then mentally we lived in Florida we recently moved back to Pennsylvania um was not pregnant until we moved back two August ago. And then I got pregnant that October. So literally just moved back, got pregnant. And I was feeling defeated because the move was hard, a hard decision in of itself. So when I was pregnant, I was almost angry um, because I was like, I'm confused. I thought I was going to raise my babies in Florida with the people there. And now we're in Pennsylvania and it's different and not what I wanted. Um, so I was kind of in a dark place for a while, um, just just kind of angry and just checked out. Like I wasn't trying to make friends or like trying to make a life. I just kind of was like feeling sorry for myself. And so when I got pregnant, I knew like, oh, I'm about to be a parent. So like I need to figure out how to be in a more healthy mindset. Um and so I just felt led to fast social media because I was escaping through social media at any second I could get during the day. Um, and I knew I needed to really focus on what the Lord wanted me to do in Pennsylvania. And I did not want to be in a bad spot when Wes came into the world because I, being a therapist, I can't tell you how many moms I've met with to where they have lost their identity and I will ask them, what do you like to do outside of motherhood? Like, who are you outside of motherhood? And the blank stares I get every time because they don't know. Um, and motherhood's hard. It's definitely an investment and not something, you know, um, to take lightly, but also there is so much sacrifice in it. And I knew that motherhood in of itself and not feeling my best mentally, I would completely put my whole identity in my baby. And I did not want to do that. Um, so I fasted social media for five months, um, until my timeline was, I was going to fast until he came into the world until I delivered him. Um, and so that's what happened. And it was great. Um, that whole time was, 
very lonely, but in a, almost like in a way of solitude, not loneliness. Um, just a lot of being comfortable with a slower paced life with silence, with reflecting, um, with not a lot of social plans and just very opposite of my life in Florida. And it, I think really prepared me for motherhood because I was okay with the new rhythm that I was in. Um, so that kind of helped me there. Wow. We've talked before on a couple episodes about the importance of protecting, just in general, protecting your mental space, whether it's when you're hearing other people's birth experiences or um, just what you ingest from social media, you know, during this time is like, so we're so impressionable, I think during this time, but what you just said takes it to a whole nother level, just thinking about not taking a what you said about not taking on the fear of others from um, pain-free birth which I follow her as well and yeah her she posts a lot of great stuff I haven't done her actual courses because I was doing hypno babies but um it it's that's so important and then on top of that just how challenging it can be to go into a season like motherhood where you do become so immersed in someone else's existence, right? Like my whole life is my baby. (laughs) And if you prior to that are not in a good place mentally or are not in a place where you do have that, um, the, the rhythms and you don't have your, your identity feels a little bit lost, um, or wrapped up in other things. You don't want to just transfer that identity to, okay, well now it's my baby. That makes so much sense. So it's, yeah, it's so important to be mindful in that time leading up to, up to giving birth. So that's- yeah. And spiritually too, it was crazy because I would just lose myself in, in social media and was still using it for what I wanted to use it for, but it was becoming more of like my journal instead of going to the Lord. And I really felt like the Lord was like, I mean, you can do that, but you're not going to get like the answers you need. You're just going to hear the opinions of others only. Um, and I felt convicted there too, because I, and I'm so glad I did it because everyone obviously has a story and opinions and things that worked for them and things that they hated. And it's just so different. And one of the biggest things I learned from the beginning was like, you cannot compare your story to anyone's, even like from your first child to your second child, you can't do that because it's completely different every time. And so I think that helped me too, because it built confidence in me as a mom to start making decisions for myself and like what I wanted for birth, because I felt like it was right for my family and me. Um, Not because I'm listening to all these other people that I hold highly. And I probably would, you know, like take on what they said a little bit, but I just felt like it really helped my husband and I discern what well, was actually right for us because we could pray about it and take time. And if I needed to reach out to somebody that I trusted, I could do that. But it wasn't like a plethora, a sea of people giving me advice on Instagram like it would have been if I would have just kept like going on there for advice before 
I would pray about it. So that was also something that really was helpful um, during that time off for sure. And I'm sure that was a tough decision because the way the way that Nicoletta was sharing on Instagram at the beginning of pregnancy in those first few months, I mentioned her transparency. It was very much like, this is what I'm going through right now. Like I'm in the thick of it and this is how I'm feeling and I'm trying to figure this out. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I went through this thing a couple months ago and now that I'm on the other side of it, let me go ahead and share it with you. You know, she was just sharing in the middle of it. And I know that you were and you were helping a lot of people by sharing that. And I'm sure that you saw some of that impact you were having on people. And so to try and make a decision to step away from that was probably challenging because you think, well, how is that bad? Right. I'm, I'm helping people. I'm, I'm um, being transparent. I'm sharing and, you know, hopefully impacting others. But like you said, that wasn't maybe if you had continued in that way and you had not been obedient to what you believe the Lord was convicting you of, then you wouldn't be in as healthy of a space now sharing about motherhood. Cause you know, you took that break. Now you're back on, you're sharing still in that same capacity, you know, from the middle of the mess, like good or bad, you're sharing it. And that is making a difference for people. And maybe that wouldn't be the case if, if you hadn't been obedient to the Lord and taken that step back for those months. Yeah. And I think too, that was something that I was like, Oh, like, I, it's fun for me to do that. And there were random people. I don't even know some of the people that were like, Oh, I like want to follow to learn about pregnancy. But, and I was thinking about it too, in the sense of, okay, like who are these people? Where are they at in the season of life? And a lot of them were just curious, like just very much like, like if you're single and you want to know about like, the ins and outs of marriage, like, and you would sit down with someone and like, ask about like, give me all the nitty gritty. Cause I want to know that is who was following me for that kind of stuff. So it kind of gave me almost like a little bit of relief. Cause it was like, okay, I, these people are not sh- like pregnant, needing help from a pregnant person or like needing to be, um, in solidarity with someone else. These are people who are curious. And so that kind of helped me too. Cause I was like, okay, well I can always, whenever I'm back on, like answer any questions that way. Um, and if they really truly like obviously wanted to know, then they can find me a different way and we can talk that way. But, um, yeah, that was, that was definitely something as a helper. And I think a lot of helpers feel this way to where, they will sacrifice for others and like choose others first and take care of their needs first. And I could definitely see in hindsight, if I would have stayed on, I would have been sharing for the wrong reasons. It would have just been for people to like make me feel better or tell me I'm doing great. And I would have just found all of that affirmation from humans and people, which would not have sustained me. Um, than if I I were to have learned how to be in solitude by myself and figure that out and find that confidence spiritually. So, wow. Yeah, that's great insight. So let's change gears a little bit and tell me, because I know you mentioned that you have um, training and experience in marriage and family counseling therapy. So I'm curious in your own experience. I mean, I even know my baby's five and a half months old. And I know that like, we're constantly 
still figuring things out and then things change and so you figure them out again and like it's just it's an evolving process but for you um whether it was leading up to birth or after how did you and your husband specifically try to set your relationship up for success for the transition to the new role that you have as parents yeah that is Honestly, it was learning a lot from other people before we were even pregnant. Um, we always knew we wanted kids. We love kids. We, not everyone has this opportunity, but in Florida, a lot of our kids, or a lot of our friends had kids. So Jeff and I would babysit kids together all the time. And it really, really helped in the sense of like, okay, like this kid is crying and this is how you reacted. Like, do I like that? Do I not like that? And it kind of was like prepping, we were like practicing on like everyone else's children. Um, and so that actually helped a lot. I mean, obviously those kids are older, but I mean, even still, it will probably help us, um, as Wes gets older. Um, but like, yeah, we would babysit, we would get in the car and like debrief (laughs) and be like, okay, like, are I I would I'd be the one to be like that was so frustrating when you did that because he needed you to do this and you just did this and like we would just have these conversations as if it was like our own kid um but I do think that that helped us a lot and then we would see when we were pregnant we thought back on a lot of just different parenting styles our friends did and things that worked for them. It was no judgment at all, but just we're like, oh, we would not be able to do that because this is what our life looks like. And then we would take other things like they do this really well. Like we want to incorporate that into ours. And so just a lot, a lot of preparation, a lot of conversations, um, almost like we were looking for areas to discuss regarding the baby because I mean, I think that's a something that a lot of couples naturally just think like it's exciting and they don't think to talk about a lot of the harder stuff just because it's like, well, we'll take it when we come. But being in therapy, I've seen a way too many times that happen in any season of life, baby, even a new house and like all of these things that like people do to where it changes the dynamic so quickly and you can't troubleshoot that fast. So it's doing a lot of the heavy lifting beforehand before that happens so that you can troubleshoot as you go. But the main things you kind of talk through, um, already. So you kind of have a good footing to start out with. Um, so we did a lot of that and something that, um, we talked about a lot was asking like, what are you fearful of? What are you most excited about? Um, so that we knew where we were at mentally and, uh, something that my husband, said because I didn't know how overbearing I would be I'm like I think I'm gonna be a chill parent and I'm definitely not I'm definitely a helicopter mom right now (laughs) but um that was something that he told me was I just want you to know that like if you see that I'm doing something in a way that you wouldn't I want you to just let me figure it out and that was something I really needed to hear before the baby was there because even now Things like, I don't know, I'm sure you can think of stuff too. Like I used to hate the way he changed Wes's diaper. I was like, this is the most inefficient way to change a diaper. Wipes are everywhere. Poop is there. Like, 
I just, it would stress me out, like to watch him change his diaper. And I would really try. I'm like, okay, he needs to figure it out. This is not detrimental to our baby at all. Um, It's just like me, you know, like trying to think of these things. And so things like that. And there would be times even now where the way we comfort Wes is very different. Um, Jeff is a lot more like just very dad, like wants to try to make him laugh, but I'm like, he's upset. He's not going to laugh right now, you know, and just things like that. And when I do that, sometimes I do step in because it's my reaction. And as you know, we have a physical reaction when our babies are crying. So like for me, it's not just, oh, he'll figure it out for me. It's like, my body is literally telling me to get this baby to stop crying. And so I'll like try to go and help. And he will hold him and look at me and be like, we're figuring out, let us figure it out. And it's good for me because I'm like, oh, okay. Like he's safe. He's in our house. He's going to be okay. He's not screaming us that off. He's just upset, you know, and just kind of like figuring out how to take the lead in some areas, maybe like teach him something that works well versus being overbearing and controlling and not allowing him to even be a dad. And so that has been something that we've just kind of been tapping into along the way as Wes gets older and does different things. And, um, we're all trying to figure it out with him. And Jeff does the same thing with me too, where he's like, Oh, the key really likes this. If you like do this. And so it definitely helps those conversations. Um, that was like pre baby was a lot of those types of conversations. It's hard. Cause you are each developing your own connection with the baby once he comes. Right. And so Right. I have my things with AJ. Alex has his things with AJ. And I totally get what you're saying. Um, the diaper thing cracks me up because one time I was watching Alex change his diaper and I was like, oh, like, why don't you wipe him like this? And then I'm like, oh, my gosh. OK, like he's going to get wiped no matter what. So it's fine. And I don't need to be psycho about it. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. You know, I, I take care of him during the day most of the time. And so and I'm his mom, you know, it's like we have this biological connection that you're describing where I, even though I can't do and be everything to him because Alex is there too, like I want to, I have this inherent want to just be the one who does everything or decides how everything is done. And it's just, that's not how it works <laughs> in a in a partnership. And so it is, it's such a learning experience, figuring out how to like be helpful, but also back off so that they can have their own thing and their own connection and um, relationship, which is really beautiful. But yeah, it's this like, um, I don't know, stop and go kind of kind of thing, figuring it out. Yeah. And in therapy world, it's huge. Like I did a whole presentation one time about how it's so important that dads are so present in kids' lives because they bring a whole different attribute that we can't or we can, but it doesn't come naturally to us in the sense of like even play. Like when dads play, a lot of times it involves like chasing or like pretending you're like a monster, like getting the kid and it teaches kids um to how to have multiple emotions at one time. So like when that happens, the kid feel safe because it's their dad and they're happy because they're playing, but also a little anxious and also a little fearful because dad's chasing them and they're pretending they're a big monster. And they're feeling all of those things at once when a lot of times moms play is very like even keel and like more calming. And so 
there are things too that I'm like the way Jeff interacts with Wes is so important and something that I don't naturally replicate. And that is so vital to Wes as he gets older too, because how we connect with him, even when he's older, even like a teenager, he will know like, oh, I can go to mom for this because she's really good at this. And I can go to dad for this because he's really good at that. So I almost do Wes a disservice if I'm trying to get Jeff to parent just like how I would, because Wes doesn't need that. He needs both of his parents to be different. Um, And so that is something that's really important. I think for all moms to understand if they do have an active partner involved is like, it's okay that it's different. It doesn't mean that's bad. Um, So that's definitely something too, that was helpful for me from learning everything I have in therapy. Wow. I never would have put that together on my own, but you saying that it makes so much sense. Just how important each parent's role is. Um, even in early, early development. So that's really interesting. So in the same vein of uh, your relationship with your husband, um, kind of moving away specifically from Wes and more toward your actual relationship as husband and wife, what was your experience like with your connection, intimacy, romance, relational like what was your connection like with your husband after um childbirth or like how is it evolving okay this is a lot (laughs) but because it's always evolving obviously like you said too um so yeah Wes is three and a half months so the first month Jeff was off of work I was home so that whole first month we were like (laughs) a nudist colony doing skin to skin the whole month like just just like in awe of our baby like just looking at him like wow we have a baby like this is crazy and um just really enjoying the newborn newborn phase so month one was just that and obviously I'm not clear to have sex yet so that was not a thing that was like something to figure out yet like everything was just baby um and so that was good. We were connected a lot. I would be very overwhelmed sometimes just I was breastfeeding. So that adds a whole nother thing in mentally and physically. And so and Jeff was just great. Like he did all of the chores and um, would take less if I was really struggling. And um, so just figuring out, okay, like this is real. This is life. But we're keeping a baby alive. And like, I gotta, you know, figure out this rhythm. So that was a month. And then um, month two was a lot of that's when we started feeling like, okay, yes, we're still obviously obsessed with our baby, but we could feel our marriage just like, like, it just felt like roommates, you know, like you're taking care of a baby and you're living together and there's not really a lot of like one-on-one connection because you have this new baby. Um, and that was new to us because obviously we haven't had anyone living with us before. And so, um, there was a lot of unmet needs, I think that were starting to occur, but we didn't really know like how to really go about it because it's like, well, we have a baby. So what are we supposed to do? (laughs) And kind of was just like figuring out that shift. Um, for me, it was like 
I felt like Jeff would check out a lot. Like he, he was starting to go back to work. And so it wasn't that I want, didn't want him to work, but it was like, he had an outlet and I didn't have an outlet. And so it was kind of hard. Cause I felt like he was going back to life before the baby. And I'm like, well, what am, like, what am I supposed to do? I can't go back to life before the baby. And so we kind of had some conversations where, um, I was, I don't know. I just was having a hard time with that. And I don't, but then it's hard as a mom. It's like, you want an outlet, but you don't want an outlet. Cause when you leave, it's like, you miss your baby. And it's like, oh, like, it's just like all back and forth. And it's so much. And to explain that to Jeff was really hard. Cause I also was still in the mental fog of everything. And I didn't even know what I was feeling. And so, um, that was hard. And we didn't overcome that in that time. It more was just like, Hey, like I'm noticing this or I'm frustrated because of this. And it was just like, voicing our frustrations but not really having any solutions yet um so that was kind of month two and now in month three almost into month four so I had gotten cleared for I went I didn't go at six weeks I went at seven weeks to go get cleared and I am not I don't really know how I feel at this point like I'm just kind of like okay like I didn't there's nothing in me that desired to have sex. I will say that. Um, and I think because when you breastfeed to your estrogen levels are so low, like there's no like high libido at all. Um, it's just very much, I just never really felt like I wanted to. And so we went seven week appointment. I got checked and my midwife told me that there was granular tissue, which I guess Stop. Just this me. just happened to me. Really? Yes. Granulation of the tissue. And it was like this tiny little, I had two tiny little spots where I had a third degree tear and it did not heal all the way. It was like, I saw it with a mirror. It was so tiny, but I could feel it. Anyways, go ahead. It's, I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) Yes. So this was like in my, like, like if I'm laying down, it was like the posterior wall of my vaginal canal, like right at the front. And it was so weird because that's not where I tore, like there was no tearing there, at least not that what they saw. So she's like, I'm not really sure. She's like, it might've just been something that tore internally that we didn't see, but it wouldn't have needed stitches or anything anyway. But my actual, um, stitches were completely healed and that was fine so she's like so really you could try she's like it might be painful um she basically was like you're cleared but like it's fine if you wait longer is kind of what she was saying and I was like well what are my options like can we heal this faster what does this look like and so she was like well you could get an estrogen cream or you can get silver nitrate and burn it closed. And I was like, absolutely not. So Girl, that's what I did. You did? I'll, sh- I'll share about now that you're sharing about this, I'll share mine. So I will share oh. that when you finish. <laughs> yeah, you're brave. I was like, I don't know how much I can do anymore. <laughs> and so um, I was like, okay, I'll get the estrogen cream and we'll just see what happens. I also had her show Jeff where it was so that he knew exactly where it was so that if we did try, like he was very aware of like where everything was. So, um, we get home and he, he's like, well, why don't we just try? We can use like a lot of lube, you know, and just like see what happens. And I'm like, 
okay, but I already know mentally I'm like, no, like this, I are like, it's like, I felt like I could feel it from that point on, like ever since she said that. And so we did try it and it was so interesting. I was not expecting this and being a trauma therapist, I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So there wasn't even any actual like penetration. It was like, and as soon as anything was near there, I immediately went into like a trauma response physically. It was crazy. Like I started not shaking, but almost like shivering, like you do when you're cold. And like, I felt like my whole body was like, no, and was just like closing everything up down there. Like, nope, nothing's happening. And I started crying, but I wasn't feeling like sad or anything. And so Jeff was like, oh my gosh, like, are you okay? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's happening. I was like, I need you to understand that my whole anatomy, I don't even know my anatomy anymore. <laughs> like, it just feels so different. It's, it's not like you were, you can like have the baby, enjoy the baby. And then you go back to like figuring out a routine. Like my body has to like figure out a whole new routine. Um, Some people are great to go back to it. And I know people who have waited months and months and months before they tried because they just were not ready. Their body wasn't ready mentally. They weren't ready. There are public floor therapists that help with that. And like, obviously mental health therapists, if there's a mental block there too, but um, it is so common to not to, to just to wait longer. And so I hindsight should have just said that um, because I think his bigger reaction was just, he really thought it was going to be a reality and it just wasn't. Um, and so that was interesting. I leaned on a lot of mm, like three or four friends about that who are also moms. And I just was like, did you guys go through this? What do I do? I don't know what to do. And that gave a lot of insight um, because we realized Jeff is a, he takes a while to process. So once like that initial moment died down, he, we sat down and I was like, I need to know, like, I need you to understand where I'm coming from. Cause I feel like you don't. And I understand that like, you really want this, but I have like a million other things I'm juggling before I get to that point. Like I am so physically depleted at the end of every day. The thought of even sometimes just like snuggling is exhausting to me. Like I just, I'm touched all day. I'm breastfeeding all day. And it's just a lot. Um, and for him, it's hard, I think for women to acknowledge or just to like wrap your brain around this aspect. Cause what we need emotionally is equal to what men need physically and that's so hard because I think sometimes women it makes us feel objectified I mean I I felt that way too where I was like oh like you just want my body and I'm giving my body all day like to my son and now you and it's exhausting but how like he doesn't see that and in that way like he kept telling me no it's because like I want to connect with you like how you want to connect emotionally like that's how I connect you know and like feel loved that way and I just it was hard for me because I was getting annoyed and resentful because I'm like no it's not the same thing um but in therapy world I do know that it is very similar it's just our brains are so different um and so we realized 
when the day is gone and we've spent time with Wes and he's down, I am physically depleted. Jeff is emotionally depleted because when Wes like cries a lot or it's just a lot to, you know, raise a baby in general, Jeff emotionally like is tired, like he's mentally done. So at the end of the day, what I would need is emotional connection to fill me up. And what he would need is physical connection to fill him up. And so I reached out to my friends and I'm like, what do we do? Like, this is a standstill. Like we're both empty in the areas where we need to give to the other. Like, are we, it's just, just how it is like for the rest of life. And, um, so it was really helpful. Um, there was a lot of good suggestions. Like one of my friends was like, just date. She's like, when the baby goes to bed, just, I don't know, watch a funny movie or like, like play trivia and like just laugh together and just like have fun together again because you haven't probably done that with just you two in a while which was true um and um another one of my friends was saying like it's important that physical that emotional connection like just having him understand how physically different you are and um that you don't not want to do that it's just there needs to be way more prep work. And something I used to say for couples in general, whenever the woman was like, I can't get there because emotionally I'm gone. I always tell the man foreplay happens eight hours before you even get into the bed (laughs) and how like it matters what you do like throughout the day to have her feel like loved and good and full. Um, And then she'll want be more willing to want to do that. And so, um, yeah, definitely told Jeff all of that. And so we just started like flirting again, like really as simple as like, I don't know him just like touching my butt as like he walked by or just like, I don't know, having fun and flirting and not a lot of like sexual touch, like not a lot of touch to have sex. Um, cause I told him at that point in my life, that was the biggest turnoff for me because then I was an obligation. I felt expected to do it and I didn't want to do it at that point. So it literally was not long, like two days tops, maybe where we just like were flirting and he would like cuddle me in bed and like, didn't get handsy at all or anything. And it made me want to try. Um, and so we tried, oh my gosh, it was so painful. I was mad at every woman in the world for not telling me that it would be painful. Um, so that's another thing that I am really passionate about of like, sex after you have a baby is insane. Um, not for everyone, but for me, it definitely was painful. And, um, so yeah, that was something that was interesting. And I learned from my midwife too, that it's going to hurt, um, like the first few times because everything is new tissue. So it's all like tight, like super tight again. And, um, some people can't like even have sex. They have to do like perennial massages and stuff like that to like help because it's just, it's just all brand new. And I was like, well, it makes sense that I would feel my anatomy is different because it really is like, it's all new and different. And so, um, anyway, long story short with rabbit trails, but yeah, that was something with intimacy that we're still figuring out. Um, we don't have it under control and (laughs) it's a lot, but hopefully like anyone listening to this, you know, your partner wants to learn and like be, you know, involved, um, just keep talking about it because the moment you don't, there's so 
so, so, so many opportunities for misunderstanding um, and missing um, just where the other is at. And you're on the same team. It's just figuring out how to be patient with each other and knowing what each other needs to get you to a point where you can get into a new type of rhythm, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Since we're so deep in the in the nitty gritty here, I'll share my experience. Um, and that was actually for me, I I naturally have a very high libido. And so I was the one who before I had the baby, I was like, oh my gosh, like we're not gonna have sex for six weeks. I like I was emotional about it because it's like that connection is so important to me. And um, it t- and touches my love language. So like I am, I am all physical touch. So we, I was thinking it was going to be six weeks. Um, and I will say I, I do it. It ended up being twelve weeks. And um, I will say when Alex and I were dating, we did not have sex before we were married. And I know that's not everyone's experience. And I had I had had sex before marriage. But Alex and I did not have sex from the time we were dating until we got married. And I was so thankful for that in this season because the foundation of our relationship did not involve sex. And so in a season where we did not even have that as an option, I was just so thankful that our roots were like so much deeper than that physical connection. But um so yeah, because of the severity of my tear, they told me 10 to 12 weeks minimum. Um, I went in at seven weeks as well. And they said, yep. I was like, so that 10 to 12 week thing. And she's like, yep, 10 to 12. I was like, okay, cool. (laughs) So I, we got to 12 weeks and, um, it wasn't like, it it was painful. It, it, It just was like you're saying. And I, thankfully I have friends around me who, um, well, I have one in particular who was like, it's not going to feel great. Like it's going to be weird. She's like, it took me almost a year to get back to where it felt super, super normal. And I was like, okay. So I had like, I just, I adjusted my expectations, but it still was like, it was just so important to me. And and I was the one who was like, okay, like, let's try, like, you know, as soon as we could. Um, and I expected it to not feel great at first. And so for about four weeks, I was like, I mean, we weren't like, trying all the time but for four weeks I was like okay it's like gonna get better gonna get better and it wasn't and and it was painful to the point where I was like I can't like keep doing this um and so and I felt so bad and I was very emotional about it and um it and Alex was great because he was very supportive and like it's okay I'm not in a rush and all this kind of stuff but I was so frustrated and so finally at 16 weeks I called my midwife and I was like I feel like it's not supposed to still hurt this much and she's like why don't you come in so I came in and immediately she's like oh my gosh I see exactly immediately she knew exactly what it was and it was two spots of that granulation and I could tell And I'll explain this because, you know, if somebody's listening, I feel like this is valuable if you ever feel this way. It was, I had two spots that were not fully healed. And honestly, if you looked at it, like you wouldn't even guess that it wasn't healed. It was just, just the tiniest little bit of skin that was kind of like just not attached. And so one was inside and that was the one that was hurting me um, when we were trying to have sex. The other one was actually external. It was like, on my 
perineum, but externally. And so um, I felt it, I felt discomfort when I would sit down in a weird way, or if I was like laying down and then I would sit up, I would kind of feel a little something. And I, I had just thought that was maybe residual soreness or something, but no, it turns out it was because of this. So I did opt for the silver nitrate. And basically they take this like Q-tip thing that has, I mean, it's metals in there and they just, they rub it, the spot, they rub the area with the Q-tip looking thing and um, it breaks down the skin around it so that it can all reheal together, um, hopefully. And it did burn. It, w I mean, I don't know. Like you said, you know, you're like, I don't know how much I, more I can take. Um, true, but I know what you went through. You know what I went through. And I'm like, all right, I can do it. At this point, like anything in my life, I'm like, if it's going to burn for a minute, whatever. <laughs> like, just get it. Let's just try because I've had a baby and I feel like I could I could go through anything now. But um, it did burn for when she was doing it and then like mildly burned for maybe a couple hours after that, like I could still kind of feel it, but it all rehealed. And I went back two or three weeks later and it totally healed. Um, and it was, it was worth it. I had to kind of, um, slow down during the week or two after that, just like I had to slow down my running. I had to try to be a little bit less active. Um, but it was totally worth it because it healed and I can, I can 100% feel the difference, but, you know, definitely trust your gut. If you ever feel like this feels a little off or maybe this should be healed by now. Um, definitely look into that. <laughs> um, and it's definitely not something to take lightly. Cause yeah, even whenever I didn't know that I had that tissue still, like I did feel like you said, like sitting down weird way or like moving, it was like kind of just sore. And that's why I didn't want to try either. Cause some people try before their six weeks to have sex. And I'm like, good for you. I just oh mentally can't do it. And, um, I'm glad I didn't because I don't know, like it could have done, I don't know, more damage. Um, but yeah, yeah, I did the estrogen cream, which probably took longer, obviously than what the silver did, but yeah, it, it was fine. It was so funny. Cause every day I'm like, we couldn't, I had Jeff put it on cause I couldn't see like where exactly it was since it was inside. And every time he would put it on, I'm like, wow, we're really like leveling up in marriage. <laughs> Cause he like has like a flashlight cause it's like dark out. He's like putting it on, <laughs> but it did work. And yeah, that's definitely something. Yeah. Trust your gut with that because you got to take care of your body for the long haul. So. Yeah. But exactly what you said, like you said, finding the new rhythm and communicating, I feel like slowly, but surely. Um, and you know, we're both still, in the very early stages of motherhood, but slowly but surely, I feel us um, getting more back to like the, I don't know, interactions that we had before baby, you know, like you're saying, like flirting and kind of dating. And um, I think that just comes with new rhythms and more kind of time and structure and just figuring things out. But the communication is so important because I felt the way I felt when all that was happening was just so defeated. And so, and if I didn't tell Alex that that's how I was feeling and that was why, then it's just this recipe for all kinds yeah. of turmoil and emotional um, uh, 
uh, mismanagement and and missed expectations and and all those kinds of things. So and a lot of resentment too. Um, it like builds up so much to the point where then you don't even realize it's about that anymore, and it becomes about everything else. And so yes. Definitely communication is huge and not feeling bad about it because it definitely is, again, you're two people that are dealing with this season of life very, very differently. Um, And that's not bad. It's a part of being married. You're two different people. And so, um, yeah, definitely that communication piece is huge. Yeah. So let me ask you, shifting a little bit to your mental health specifically, because for me, I I would not say that I really struggled with mental health uh, just kind of as an umbrella statement, I guess. I, I have not struggled with mental health in the past in the way that I've seen friends or family members struggle with it. I, I haven't been prone to anxiety or depression. Um, I've been in counseling and therapy before uh, in in college and, and beyond, and that was super helpful. But I, I felt since giving birth, I definitely feel that my mental health has shifted. And it's interesting because I was describing to one of my brothers that for the first time, I felt like sometimes, you know, for no rhyme or reason, or or maybe just for like tiny little reasons, all of a sudden my day, I feel it shift. I feel my energy shift. I feel almost like there is just a cloud over me. And I, in the past, whenever I have felt that way, pre-baby, that's never been something I haven't felt in control of. And since having the baby, I feel like when that happens to me, I don't have, I don't have it in my power to just make that go away or kind of just focus on something else or shift my mood or shift, you know, my perspective. Um, I have felt like subjected to that in a way that I did not feel before. And so it's been increasingly important for me to vocalize that, to share that, to tell Alex that, to talk to people who I know can help me. You know, um, really, I've had to kind of figure out new um, strategies for dealing with that. And and that's been a little bit challenging for me because it seems like it just hits me out of nowhere. And I feel so out of control in in those scenarios. And so that's that's new for me. Um I'm I'm curious in in your experience, have you felt any kind of shift? Is it have you had those struggles before? Is it something you have now? Um does it feel the same? Does it feel different? What what does your personal mental health look like overall um postpartum right now? Yeah, I feel like I'm the same way. There have only been two times fairly recently within the past like 5 years that I've actually felt depressed but other than that I really have not had any type of like super anxious moments or anything like that either um and I think for me I'm very independent very type a planner like that is so just who I've always been I'm task oriented so it's interesting because things have shifted almost in a way that I think is better for me. Um, because ever since I was little, I would get 
so uptight about like the dumbest stuff all the time. And, um, I'm also a feeler, very emotional. And so sometimes it's just a bad combination to be like wanting control and being emotional at the same time. Um, so over like being married and even before, like I had really honed in on my emotions and how to utilize that as a tool to work for me instead of letting it take over everything all the time. Um, so there was that, but with my task oriented stuff that included everything that included like how I had my time with Jesus journaling, um, like reading, like I had all these things that I did as a part of like, just what I did for years. And so when I had Wes, I was like, I can't do this stuff and I can, but then I'd be sacrificing sleep, which one of my friends, really good friends, she is like, no, I need time with Jesus. So she will sacrifice sleep in the morning and she will like journal and spend time with the Lord that way. And sometimes I'm like, I want to do that. And I can do that. And other days I'm like, absolutely not. And so I I'm like, not sure with the rhythms of like doing things that are investing in me. Um, I haven't gotten that down yet. And so it's hard because so much of me, if I, if it wasn't a baby, if it was something else, I'd be so frustrated. I'd be like, Oh, like I have to do this. And I don't want to do that. Cause I want to like do these things. But with a baby, it's like, it's my joy to give to this baby and to sacrifice things for me. But I, I my therapy mind is like, but you need to figure it out so that you still are investing in yourself. And so that is something that has shifted a lot where I did not think I would be that mom that's like, oh, like it, I'll just get to it later, 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 because I have the baby. I really thought I was going to be a mom that was like, oh no, like when the baby naps, I will do this. Like, I'm not going to like give up sacrifice, blah, 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 blah. Like, but I am, I definitely am. And so that is a little difficult at times. Um, and even like, I think uh, Jeff and I actually haven't talked about this, but I've seen him too. Like if it's early in the morning or if Wes is napping, like I'll see Jeff like pull out his Bible and like, he'll do like his own time. And part of me is like, Oh, I could do that. But I also have to do this. And like I'm thinking about all these other things. So the shift mentally is very much, it really feels like a tug of war between choosing myself and giving myself things, um, versus things that might not be as important in the moment. Um, but because I'm task oriented, it's hard because I want all those things done before I journal or before I do a devotional because I, I want my mind clear, but I just can't, there's just not enough time literally, um, to do that. So it's challenging for me, but again, it's like, not stressful because I like what I'm doing, but again, it's that I do not want to lose myself in those things. Um, so I know that I have to figure out something, um, to help me mentally and spiritually so that I can still be solid, um, in that, because that's the foundation of everything that I do. So even though I'm not doing it now, it's okay, but I know that that's not going to sustain me long-term. Yeah, I, I'm the exact same way when it comes to needing to do things before I do something else. Like, um, I was just talking to, to Becca about this the other day that 
my I know that the morning sets the tone for everything. And AJ is in a good enough routine now that if I stopped watching Gilmore Girls at night and went to bed earlier, um, which I didn't watch. I didn't watch any shows or movies for one month in August. And honestly, that was great. I don't know if I could bring myself to go back to it, but I got more sleep. <laughs> if I could bring myself to go to sleep earlier, then I could get up earlier and do the morning routine I used to do, which was I did the Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod, which that's a great book and a great system because it's a it's a morning routine that you can do in five minutes or you can do in an hour. Like you can kind of choose um, what capacity, wh- whatever capacity you have, it can fit that. And that was so important to me because I was when I was doing that, I was reading in the morning. I was doing some kind of physical movement. I was spending some time in silence. I was praying. I was meditating on things that I wanted to focus on throughout the day. And that contrasted with crying being the first thing you hear in the morning. There's a big difference, you know, and if I feel like I can get up and start my day, be ahead of the day, um, that's so my whole day is different as opposed to when you wake up to crying and you're just like meeting needs. And then maybe for me, it's then I feel behind on everything. And I'm just like, I feel like I'm playing catch up all day and all this kind of stuff. Um, those are in such stark contrast, but I'm like, Oh, I got to figure out where I'm going to do the miracle morning. And then I got to figure out how much time and what I'm going to do for each thing and what I'm going to read and what am I going to pray about and what order am I going to do everything? And, you know, I get caught up in that and I'm like, Oh, eventually I'll figure out like what the rhythm's going to be for that. And I'll do it. But, but I mean, I'm almost six months in and I haven't done it. So I think sometimes it's like, it's hard to just do it in like the messy middle of it, but I know that's what I need to do, whether it is just opening my Bible or it's just listening to whatever a podcast or, you know, reading something or taking a walk or, or just doing something in the middle of that messiness instead of waiting to get the scheduling right or clean things up, whether that's literal or figurative, you know, um, to actually do something that I know is going to be good for my mental health and, and really ultimately is going to help me be a better mom and be a more patient mom and, and give AJ a better version of myself. But it's hard in the day to day. And suddenly you're like, there goes six months. Like, okay, haven't figured that out yet. You know, that structure and that's tough. Yeah. And I did, I actually asked on my Instagram of, it was like a question box. And I was like, if you have some type of routine, I was asking for specifically devotionals. Cause that's what like helps me feel full. Like, let me know. And it was so funny. I don't know why. I think I ask out of curiosity because I know I'm not going to get like a consistent answer because everyone's different, but it's so funny because like I have one that was like, oh, I listened to the Bible app and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no way I can't. There's no way I'm going to be able to focus on that. Um, And my one friend who sacrifices sleep and she gets up early, but there's one mom who said something that I needed reminded of as a type A that I think all type A's need to be reminded of is like, God meets you where you're at. It's okay. Like you don't need to feel like guilty. And so something that I've been doing, like you're saying, is like, instead of feeling like I need to journal five pages, um, I will like pull my baby as I'm feeding my baby. I'm like, God, thank you for my baby. Like, just like 
full of gratitude in that moment is equivalent to the time I'm spending because it's, it's the connection piece. And that's all like, I need to keep myself reminded of that. Like if I'm holding Wes and he's screaming, crying, if he's overtired, like those are moments I'm like, God, like you're my strength. I know you're my strength in this moment. Like you're going to sustain me. And so like, it's very, very different of what it looks like, but the relationship is still there. And I think that is like, still why like I can I feel okay right now because I think if I wasn't doing even doing those little things it would feel a little bit more daunting because it would feel like it's all on me um and so that has been helpful too of what you're saying of just like even in moments in the middle like just taking them um as you think about them and um every time I leave West which is awful I hate that feeling um like on my way to work I always pray like you know just be over him and sometimes nighttime feedings, if I'm alert enough, I will pray then and just like things like that. Um, but yeah, definitely hard to find a routine. And I think once you do too, like your baby goes into a different milestone and it's like, Oh, all right. I gotta figure this out now too. So yeah, it's hard. Yeah. That's a great reminder. We need to figure out how to take advantage of those moments now, because it sometimes feels like, oh, well, pretty soon it'll be easier to have structure. But like you said, things change. And I think that's just not the reality. So, well, thank you for sharing all that. I want to ask you one final question. And that is, you know, there are people listening to this who are moms, who are soon to be moms, or like, you described your Instagram audience when you were pregnant, people who are curious, you know, who maybe these are just seeds that they're, you know, are being planted and and someday this will be, this will be useful for them. So no matter who's listening, I would love for you to share with us just some succinct advice for new moms or soon to be moms when it comes to prioritizing their mental health postpartum. You know, we've talked about a lot of different different things today. But you know, if you could only tell someone one or two things, uh, highest priorities, when it comes to prioritizing mental health, what would those what would those be? I think, and this might vary because I did not struggle with postpartum depression, um, which I'm very thankful for. But I know that's super common. But I think this will help both. And um, because I think at the end of the day, it's the feeling of like, I'm alone in this. That is such an easy feeling to have. Um, And so that goes with my first piece, which is just finding a community. I don't care what that community looks like as long as it's helping you not feel alone. So um, I have a ton of virtual communities I'm in, like Facebook groups that are mom groups. Uh, If you are very passionate about like co-sleeping then join a co-sleeping group or like a breastfeeding group or a pump like anything um groups where there are like-minded people for you um to connect with so that you when you're in the trenches you can go in the middle of night onto that group and just read that has helped me so much um uh on for me with my work, I can incorporate that. I'm starting a prenatal therapy group that I'm starting to put a curriculum on because I'm like, because again, if you're someone who is okay to like be more vulnerable, I would challenge you to be that person to kind of find space where if you know mothers, like grab them together and have your babies and just spend an hour together doing something or, um, 
I have one girl who did that. Who's a friend of mine. Who's really in, very, um, wanting to raise her baby in the faith. And so she's reading a book and asked like-minded moms to read the book with her. We're not going to meet because that's hard. Um, it's literally just a group, like a group me. Um, and we just text on there as we read this book together. And so just things like that, just finding communities that way. Um, I know in my area, there are Facebook groups where moms set up play dates, like at parks and stuff like that. Um, my library has like an infant reading time that I just learned about. So there are a million things. You will find something if you look for it. Um, and so just finding community that way, hopefully people are blessed with family members that are there for them, that are supportive, friends, anything like that. Um, but that is huge, a huge piece. Um, so that would be the first one. And then the second, which is kind of what we've been saying, you don't be afraid to ask for help. And if you feel already guilty to ask for help, process that, whether it's in therapy or with other moms who have been where you are. Um, but thankfully, I don't struggle with doing that. But that was the biggest piece of advice I got from everybody, from my medical providers, from my doula, from friends who are moms, they all said, don't forget, like, if you need help, ask for help. Um, there are people who are going to want to help you. And so that is huge, I think, because again, it's so easy to feel alone. Um, and like, you're the only one that's going through this. So those are probably the two things I would say, find a community and don't be afraid to ask for help. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being willing to share all of this. Your transparency, as I said at the top of the episode, is such a gift. And I hope that it encourages other people to be transparent too. You know, I I just, I want to share about the things that I wish I heard somebody sharing about or like the things that I did hear people share about, but not on a platform where lots of women could hear those things, you know? Um, and so we're the transparent friends you've been looking for, okay? We're open books. We we want to talk about all the things. And, and you have inspired me to do that, even in the sharing that you did before you took your break from social media, just the courage that you've had to share in the middle of it all. And, you know, we're both a few months postpartum. And so things are going to change and, and we're still in the middle of it. And we're just giving you guys like what we've got right now and what we're learning along the way. And um, we're trying to encourage those behind us, learn from those who are ahead of us. And I think it's just such, it's just such a, a beautiful, a beautiful thing. And I feel really fortunate to, to be able to share this with other women. So um, super, super thankful for you. I know this is going to bless a lot of people who are listening and um, yeah, we really appreciate your time and the energy and emotions and everything that goes into to sharing your story and, um, and encouraging people like this. So thanks, Nicoletta. Thank you. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at hope filled birth. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode.